Webmaster Radio helps you to find your inner peace and help you discover the key to success. Webmaster Radio presents Good Karma. Whether you are a newbie or an experienced Internet explorer, it's time to find the answers that you seek. Ask the questions that others are afraid to ask and earn the rewards of your good karma. And now Webmaster Radio presents Good Karma. And now here is your host, Good ROI, Greg Nyland. Are we starting? Let me put down the beer. Hey, everybody. Welcome back for another excellent show here. This is Greg Nyland, and this week I got you two people to listen to. Not one, but two, and hopefully you'll find something semi-interesting from both of them. So first we're going to be chatting with Ross Jones, affiliate web guy, but today he's going to be putting on his DMOZ hat. Ross, how you doing? Hang on a second. Let me put down my beer. Thanks. Okay, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good, Greg. Hey, you need a refill on your peanuts? <laughs> what what hat am I wearing today? We're uh, doing DMAs because I I know we're supposed to talk affiliate stuff, but there was this thread at Webmaster World that I've just been uh, it's gotten under my skin a little bit. These guys are complaining. First, someone said they became a DMAs editor, and this is how they were able to be successful you know, get approved as an editor. And then a lot of other people had so many follow-up questions. It just really showed that so many people out there still don't understand what's going on behind the scenes at DMOZ. Okay. So you're a white hat DMOZ editor. You have not broken the rules. As I, have done my, I have done my best to, uh, to play by the rules that, it, that have been set out uh, um, at DMOZ, yes. Yeah, and you're doing a good job, and you aren't blocking out your competition. You're letting everyone rank. You've shown your affiliations and all of that stuff. Sure. The uh, um, I originally got involved at, uh, at at DMOZ as an editor, geez, probably about five or six years ago um, when uh, uh, when I was still still had a day job and. Uh, and really came across DMOZ, saw people talking about, hey, that's a good way to get a good, uh, a good link. Um, uh, couldn't, get my, uh, couldn't get my site listed, could never figure out what was going on, so I went ahead and applied to be an editor, read up about it, and uh, got uh, proved to be an editor, uh, was able to get the, the one website that I wanted, um, uh, that I wanted listed, um, I, I got it listed in the category that I applied to be an editor for, and yes, I disclosed that's why I was applying, and that was uh, there was an affiliation with that, and uh, um, and then since then I've uh, I have sporadically done uh, work as an editor. Then, and I've uh, like I said, I've tried to uh, tried to understand the rules at Nebos, um and I've always tried to follow them. And and no, I've never I've never intentionally uh, kept out any competitors or anything like that. I'm. I'm not an editor of any really um, uh, high-value categories. I'm an editor uh, of a co- couple regional categories for around Nashville, Tennessee, where I am, um, and then I'm uh, editor on a couple uh, of, uh, of topical categories that were related to stuff I used to do, but I really don't have anything to do with anymore. So you're not the editor of Viagra or Poker, so people should not be emailing you about that. Well, as, as a matter of fact, yes, I am. I uh, there is a new Viagra poker. <laughs> How'd you come up with that for <laughs> I try. Well, you know, those are two of the more heavily abused um, places in Demos. Sure. Um, and also, let's explain to people listening that there are two types. Well, several types, but there's two main types of editors. There's the average normal editor which is I have several uh, logins for that stuff, and you have your own legitimate login for a normal editorship. Um, And that pretty much means you can only do stuff in your particular category. That's correct. Um, Add, remove, modify, descriptions, whatever you like, but it's only in your category. Okay, so if you want to do something in another part of DMOZ, you have to get approved for that. Now, there are people that are higher level that are, and they're called the meta editors, and they have pretty much uh, almost full access to do whatever they want. 
So if they want to be putting a site into uh, poker today, they can do that. And if they want to be working on uh, hospital websites tomorrow, they can do that. And if they want to work on lawyer sites, you know, they can do that. But for guys, you know, normal people, um, they only get access to one category that they apply to. Um, and then, of course, you can apply to get other categories, but, you know, generally most editors are only doing their one specific category or maybe two, three, four, five other categories, not all of DMOS. Right. I've, I've personally got about uh, four or five categories uh, that I'm an editor for. Um, and, and just so you understand, there are so many categories at, at DMOS that cover every, just about every imaginable imaginable bleh, topic out there, plus uh, just about every region and location, um, there's a category for, for that locality. Um, there are so many categories that do not have an editor in this specific category. And, and actually, um, the, the people that are listening to this show, Greg, the people that understand the web, understand web marketing and, and how things work together, I mean, really, they're, they would they would all make good editors um, as, as long as they follow the rules. Um, and it's, it's beneficial to not only DMOZ, but it's also beneficial to them as well. I mean, if, um, DMOZ is, is short on volunteer editors. Everybody's a volunteer. Um, you know, I don't get paid. Um, the only thing that I get out uh, as a direct benefit of being a DMOZ editor is I understand how DMOZ works. And so I can usually get one of my sites listed um, a little easier than, uh, than the average webmaster, not because I've got any, not because of my special affiliation, but just because I understand the rules, I, under, I understand how to make as correct a submission as possible. And I also understand that when editors are going through the categories and deciding uh, which of the submissions they're going to let, uh, which of the submissions they're going to publish, and which of the submissions they're going to delete, and which of the submissions they're going to skip, um, I've got an insight into how they make those decisions. Uh, and, and basically it boils down to if you can make it as easy as possible for that editor to approve your submission, you're more likely to get in quickly. And so, for instance, um, one of the most recent submissions uh, I made there's a tool out there that showed me um, for the category, maybe there were um, 50 published listings in the category, but there were, you know, like 300 unreviews, uh, unreviewed submissions waiting to be reviewed by an editor. Well, you can kind of get lost in those 300 un, uh, un unreviews out there, but, mm -hmm. but what you can do is you can make your submission with a proper title, link it to the proper URL, and give a description that, that meets the rules that DMOZ lays out and also uh, follows the pattern of the descriptions that are already existing uh, on the sites in that category. And that gives you a much better chance when some editors are going to take a few minutes uh, to take a look at that category, um, they may very well just kind of scan through submissions and the ones that are horribly written and they know that they'll have to spend an extra minute or 10 minutes or 30 minutes to rewrite the description, they're just going to skip over those guys, or, or at least that's what some editors are going to do. But what I try to do is I make, I make my submission as easy as possible for them to look at and say, yep, that looks, that looks good. Let me go check the website, make sure it's, uh, it's what it says it is and they can very quickly and easily approve my submission. There's, there's no special trick to it or anything. Not getting preferential treatment. I'm just trying to make it as easy as possible for that volunteer editor to add my listing. Yeah, and, and I mean also just as an editor, they email you a 30-page book, and it's helpful for an editor, and if you really want to get a very clear understanding of what DMOS is all about and what makes them tick, go ahead, read the book. But really... Just read the one-page um, guidelines that are on their site, okay? They're not looking for garbage. If you have a one-page site, don't waste time. Don't be putting in the promotional, all that crap and all that stuff, saying you're number one and all that. Don't try to do keyword stuffing because as an editor, it's going to take me – when I see someone that has, you know, 20 keywords, after one after another after another – 
I don't want to edit them, and I'm going to put them at the bottom of my list because I know it's going to take me three, four, five minutes just to rewrite it. Forget about, like, looking at their site, making sure it loads properly, making sure that they actually do what they say they do. I don't want to have to go in and rewrite their descriptions for them. So that's why there's such a huge delay in getting people listed. It's because I would say between the duplicate submissions, which just clogs the pipeline, sure. people that are putting in one-page crap, you know, spam, just total garbage, like... If your page is less than 20 words, don't waste my time. <laughs> and that's actually a common occurrence. You know, like, it's not rare that I'm seeing a page that just has that little. You know, I've seen people put up their name, address, phone number, and try to submit it to some categories. Right. A, a business card website, one-page business card website, is almost never going to get um, listed at, at DMOS. Um, Greg, you mentioned... Mm-hmm. You mentioned reading the one page of submission guidelines and really reading it and, and going through and make, make that your checklist. Uh, the other thing that I would encourage people to do is look at the websites that have already been published in this, in this particular category that you're going to submit to because, um, because you will be able to see a pattern emerging that it's okay A very clear to do, pattern. Right. It's, it, it, you'll, you'll see the pattern that every or almost every website that's listed will have a title that, that, uh, that is the exact name of their website or you, or you might see that they get away with one extra word in there or something like that. You'll also look at the descriptions um, and you'll be able to tell um, that for this category, you really need to follow that um, uh, start off with the word includes or provides this, that, and the other, period, and, and make it two sentences as opposed to one or as opposed to three sentences or something like that. If you, if you take a look for 30, 40 seconds at what's already listed in the category, you will be able to see um, a pattern that, that will guide you in making your submission. And your best chances of getting uh, a quick listing are going to be if you follow the pattern that exists within, with the already published websites. Right. Just do pure informational and detail. You know, almost don't write it yourself. Have someone else write it for you to avoid any promotional copy in there, okay? Don't say that you guarantee anything or don't say that your prices are the lowest or anything like that. Just say, what does your website contain, what type of information, and what type of business are you? You know, keep it real simple. And as Ross says, if everyone on the, in the current category, they've been approved. So look at what they wrote or look at what the editor wrote to get them approved. Because if your description is totally different than everything else on that page, you're probably just going to get um, denied. You know? And when you get denied, DMOS never tells you that either. Right, right. And uh, one other uh, little tip to, to look at is that um, keyword stuffing is... That, that suggestion or rule or guideline can be interpreted differently by different editors. And so one of the things to take into consideration is that if, the, if there is a word in the category path, so if it's you know, top topical business Viagra distributors or something like that is, is the path to the category up there, if the word Viagra is in that category path, some editors do not want you to use the word Viagra in either your title or your description. Um, there, there's certainly some leeway. So, again, just take a look. If, if you notice that the word Viagra um, is in the category path um, up at the top of the page um, and you notice that none or almost none of the, of the listings, of the current listings, uh, use the word Viagra in their description, don't try to stick the word Viagra in the description because that's apparently uh, an editor's hot button that, that, that that's, the, that's the standard that they're following for that category. Yep. Um, and also you can contact the editors if, you know, you think that your site's been in there for too long or whatever. And be nice whenever you contact the editors because, remember, these guys and ladies are all volunteers 
they're not getting money out of this unless they're like one of the 15 employees that runs this operation. There's 15 but, now? <laughs> <laughs> right. But, I mean, you know, I think they say they have like five or 10,000 editors, you know, and of right. that, probably like two or 3,000 are actually active editors. Um, and you lose your editorship, by the way, if you don't uh, make any uh, – if you're not – active if you don't use your control panel every month or so. I, I forget what the timeline is, but you do yeah. lose your editorship. Right. I, I got kicked out. There was a period for about, I think, three months or so, and I had I had logged into my uh, editor's dashboard, uh, but I had not made an edit, I think, for about three months or so, and I, I did get kicked out, and I did reapply, um, and, I, and I pretty much just got back in uh, got back in immediately, and you know, I told him hey, I've been busy with some other stuff and hadn't had a chance to to edit. And yep. and since since all editors are volunteer editors, um, the the company line uh, is basically there are there are no um, uh, specific goals that you have to meet. You don't have to make you know seventy two edits uh, every thirty days or anything like that. You don't have to uh, come up with this many uh, this many new websites to list. Um, the demons will tell you they are happy to have any help that's available. And uh, from a from an editor standpoint, I'm a volunteer editor. Sometimes I have time to do this stuff, and sometimes I just don't. And so, uh, if if they did tell me, Ross, you've got to make at least you know um, 30 edits every month, or you're going to get kicked out. I, I just don't have the time to do that in some months. Some months I can do that, sure, uh, but I'm a volunteer. Um, that works out well for for the volunteer editor, but it also uh, is part of why there's such a huge backlog of of websites out there. And so that if you can make your submission as easy as possible for an editor to add, um, you've got a better chance of getting added quickly. Yep. Now let's talk about the bigger. Um, the, so that's all about how to get sites. You want to talk more about that, or should we move on to the next part? How to get sites into uh, uh, into Demos? Well, you know, that's like, you know, we just covered that, I think. Uh, I, I think the, we should talk about how to become an editor. Uh, there's one other thing that I wanted to mention uh, that, that you need to try to make sure that you do is that when you make your submission, try to submit to the correct category. Oh, yeah. Um, because if you don't submit to the correct category, um, it will delay things. Um, and if uh, the, the best thing that could happen is if you submit to the incorrect category, the editor for that category will just ship it over to what that editor thinks uh, is the correct category. That editor might not get it right. You might end up in a different, in the wrong category again, and that just keeps going on and just keeps delaying. So, so spend some time trying to make sure that you are submitting to the correct category, and not only what you think is the correct category, but what an average <laughs> DMOZ editor we'll see, yep, this is the right category for this submission. Yeah, again, look at where all your competition is. You know, if you're not going in a category where you see familiar faces um, because you're going the highest page rank or some other thing that you think is better, don't do what you think is right. Do what the DMOZ editor will think is right, and that's how you're going to get approved. Um, now, Here's where Ross, you and I sort of have taken different pathways, shall we say. <laughs> Hard to believe. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I try to keep everything nice, you know, because, hey, the show is good karma and you don't want bad karma. Um, but from time to time, I find uh, there's certain situations where I bend the rules, you know, unlike you. Gotcha. And one of the situations is applying to be a DMOS editor. I sort of see their request when you're filling out the form to become an editor sort of like suggestions. Or maybe, hey, let's look at this as creative writing 101. You know, well, we, we all know that some editors take that approach. <laughs> but, but I think you and I would both agree that that is not how most editors are. 
No, no, no. And if you do take this approach, I'm not saying take this approach to go in there and delete all your competition and then to put yourself number one. Because the meta editors do a really good job of keeping an eye on that. And as soon as they see something funny, they're going to delete your editorship and then they're going to reinstate all of your changes. You know, right. so because everything everything that happens in a category, just so everybody understands, everything that gets uh, happens in a particular category is logged. And so, if uh, if somebody comes into one of my categories, um, even even if it's you know one of the top top people that's a meta uh, meta editor and they have access to do pretty much everything, I still see the footprints of who did something, what they did. Um, and usually um, the, the editor will, will leave a reason for, for what they did. Um, you know, if, if, they remove, uh, if they remove a listing, they'll say, you know, the, the site wasn't functioning or something like that, or, or the, uh, the domain registration has, uh, uh, has expired. And, uh, yeah, I think um, you and, actually uh, can't site. even delete a site without um, putting in a reason. Right, right. Um, and if you're a new editor, they do, they'll do um, unannounced reviews of your work. And you won't even know that they're reviewing your work until you get an email. And they're saying, hey, we noticed this, this, and this. Don't do that again, and we corrected it. Hey, I never got that email. <laughs> well, you know. When you... <laughs> I guess we took different approaches. <laughs> I, I, again, uh, you can do what they say you should do, and then you should, you know, maybe experiment and see how far can you push it. Um, and I am happy to report <laughs> that uh, the DMOZ meta editors do a very good job of keeping regular editors like me in check. Um, but I still apply to be an editor of a category if I want to get in there, because this way um, I know I'm going to get, I can fill out the form. I know in about one or two weeks I'll get the approval for it. And then once I'm, I have the approval, I'll go in and I'll review other sites. I won't go in and review my site first because that's a dead, you know, ringer. You're immediately showing your cards. Sure. So you, you edit some other guys' sites, help out, contribute to the community because, honestly, I do believe the community is helping you. So give back and help the community. It's all about karma. Exactly. Um, so I give back. I'll review some other sites. Then I'll review mine, and I don't put in promotional copy or anything, but... You know, I'm not going to put in a, you know, a title and description that I would hate to see in Google, for instance. But I'm not going to say this is number one site or anything like that, because, again, that's just going to set off a red flag for the meta editors. Um, and, you know, just go in and bend the rules. Don't break the rules. You know, if DMOS wants to know all the websites you're affiliated with, Lots of people get upset about this rule. I see that more as a suggestion because they have no way to verify any of this information. You know, all they have is an email address and a name, and both of that you provide to them. So if you go in with a Hotmail account or, you know, a free uh, Gmail account or any other email account you like, and f as long as you answer the questions in the way that they want them answered, and you provide good reasons for why you should be an editor, they're going to approve you. Yeah, there there was a there was a lot of debate about the uh, um, the new well, it's not really new anymore, but about editors uh, exposing all of their affiliations and who's going to have access to this information and how does how does it keep updated and everything. Um, and you know, if if you if you only have for an editor that's trying to follow. Uh, the guidelines correctly and be a good um, uh, good contributor to the DMOZ community. If you only have a, a small number of websites, it, it's pretty easy to keep up with. the The issue is when is when you have a huge number of websites, and there's there's also the um, you know what affiliations are are you supposed to uh, are you supposed to disclose, disclose? And basically, it comes down to every website that you've got anything to do with. If you advertise, if you buy a text link. On, uh, on a website, um, you need to uh, disclose that affiliation. Um, if you created a website for somebody uh, just as a normal web design job three or five years ago, you're supposed to disclose that affiliation. And then as you create new websites, you're, uh, again, uh, you're supposed to uh, disclose all those affiliations of the websites that you have. 
Or you could be like me and view it as a <laughs> suggested guideline. As a suggestion for some editors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, I never lost any sleep over it. You know, I'm not out to do the community any harm. Sure. And, you know, if someone, um, as long as I'm not doing any harm to the community, I see no problem here. Um, and, again, that's my personal take on it. <laughs> <laughs> and like I told you, I've I've managed to not get kicked out of uh, out as an editor for about five years now until today. But <laughs> you're well, you know, I've never been kicked out. Have you not? No, never. And how I many ed- never... how many editor how many editor logins do you have? Let's I mean, not a go number there. of them. Um, more than one hand, shall we say? More than one hand. Okay, gotcha. gotcha. Um, and, and and here I'm. I've got a curious question for you. Do you? apply for additional categories under existing oh, yeah. editors? Yeah, when after you'll, you... You'll do a mix of that and applying for a category under under an, uh, an assumed name, a new assumed name as well. Yeah, when I start up uh, an editorship and I apply as John Smith, right. shall we say, um, they'll give me access to that category. And then, you know, after a few months or a few years, depending on how active that one category is, I'll have so many um, edits under me and be doing such a good job that they'll actually be like, hey, you know, are you interested in this? Or, you know, I'll say, I'd like to expand my work. You know, I have some more free time. Can I volunteer on another category? And as long as you do a good job and you have enough experience. And, And your track record shows both of those things. Right. Everything's recorded, so, you know, there's no fake in any of this. Um, they're, they're going to approve you, and they're going to give you multiple categories, if that's what you want. Now, that's all great, but me, I, uh, I'm a conservative person. <laughs> and since I am bending the rules, and for some reason, if Dima's ever found out, I don't know why, but they would be upset, and they would actually kick me out if they ever found out any of my usernames. So that's actually why I developed multiple um, editor accounts. And each account has, of course, multiple categories. And, and I'm betting that you log in from a different IP, don't you? And make submissions via different <laughs> IPs, don't you? Yeah, it doesn't matter. You know, <laughs> uh, can't imagine. Proxies, going through <laughs> the biggest proxy of all, AOL, you know, who knows? Uh, it doesn't matter. Um, you reboot your cable modem, and you know you get a fresh IP. Uh. <laughs> now, now, Greg, I've, I've got a, you've brought up a question in my mind about uh, about uh, um, uh, getting a large number of edits under your editor names because for some reason I just don't see you sitting down and doing thousands of edits under each username uh, under each editor name that that you've got set up for. So uh do you have some of your uh you have some of your hired monkeys making edits for you or <laughs> um, kind of curious to me. I've heard of other people um having once they get an account to do that oh, farm it out okay. to someone so that way they control the username and password and all that fun stuff. Um but I will say I do believe it's very important that everyone should have experience as an editor. Um, And to go into your category and to actually look at, you know, all of the backlog that DMOZ has for your industry. It it gives you a different perspective on DMOZ if you're an editor than if you're not an editor. I'll I'll have to say that. I'll I'll go uh, farther than that. I'll actually say it gives you an insight into the industry as a whole. Because DMOS has, I would say, in some categories, um, sites that have been submitted over two years. Sure, yes. So now you're seeing sites that have been submitted for over two years. So you can see how people develop their site, what content they put up there, what keywords they were using, all of that stuff. And then you can see how it changes over time. And then you can see the competition and all of the crap sites. And I would say probably... My guess, based on the categories I've been in, 60 to high 80% um, gets, it, it's trash. It, I delete 60 to 80% of the submissions to my categories. That's going to be true in the more, in the more lucrative categories. In, uh, in some of, and, and so 
I think the point about that for people to keep in mind is that when they are making a submission to those more lucrative categories, um, your website usually does have to be of a little higher quality. There is nothing, there is nothing in the DMOS submission guidelines that really talk about you've got to have a good website. It does talk about that you do have to have unique content, and there is, <clears throat> there is a, a uh, as we referenced early, a, a very small minimum that you can't just have your name and your address and say, hey, I'm a, you know, I'm a widget company in Topeka, uh, and, and here's my phone number. You're not going to get a listing with, with just extremely minimal content. Um, and, uh, but if you are submitting to a more lucrative category, you will have a better chance of getting in uh, if you have more if your if your website looks like it's higher quality than if it's a piece of junk. Yeah. yeah. Um and I mean if you're going into one of the more lucrative categories, um I do have a higher bar of what I'm looking for in a site. And I know technically um you know Dimas says let all sites in as long as they have unique content. But if I have a category and it already has 200 websites submitted into it that are organized by different subcategories and all of that fun stuff, it, it really, you know, from an editor point of view, why do I want to add another um, affiliate website that's just a data feed, you know? Because sure. that's not unique. I need to see something that's unique, quality, you know, and from that perspective, it actually helps me make better websites. Um, because then I say, you know, why am I trying to compete against everyone by being exactly like everybody? You know, if you want to win, you should provide something better than the competition. You know, don't just have the same competition, uh, same information that the competition has. You know, there's no reason to visit your site over the competition site. Right, absolutely. You know, I, I think by being a, a DMOS editor, it can give you not only an insight, like we said earlier, not only an insight into how DMOS works and what's going on behind the scenes, but also uh, insight into your own industry, into your competitors, and what's, what's currently going on. Because a lot, a lot of the higher quality uh, sites are going to get submitted to DMOS. So uh, uh, if you're an editor for, for one of those uh, for one of those categories, you're going to get a first look at, uh, at one of those websites. Yep. Um, so, Ross, any final words of wisdom for DMOS? Um, <laughs> there's two different ways that you can approach it. And, uh, uh, and, and the, way that I've, the way that I've approached being a DMOS editor, I think it's been valuable for me. And, and obviously, Greg thinks the way he's approached being a DMOS editor has been valuable for him. Very valuable. <laughs> <laughs> Between the actual good quality link you get from Dimas and the two, three hundred scraper sites that also link to you, yeah, I can't complain. There you go. Well, thanks for being on, Ross. We're going to take a quick commercial break and come right back with a discussion about artificial intelligence. Stay tuned, thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. Stick around. Good Karma. We'll be back after this short break. Excellent, excellent. A rose by any other name would still be the same. Move over, Shakespeare. You need to differentiate yourself from your competition. Do it by aligning yourself with a company who has earned the trust of Jupiter Media, the NHL, and Lionsgate Films, among others. Moniker.com is the most secure ICANN-accredited register on the planet, offering you domain registration, hosting, domain sales, and acquisition services. Wrap that up with 24-7 support. That's your winning combination. M-O-N-I-K-E-R. Com. More than a name. Now back to Good Karma, only on webmasterradio.fm. Now, here's your host. So I'd like to welcome Rollo Carpenter, who is the managing director of iCogno, a leading uh, artificial intelligence company out in the U.K., who has won a very big prize, the Loebner Prize, I believe it is called. Um, That's right. For the most human-like artificial intelligence entity. So, Rolo, tell my listeners a little bit about what you're doing out there. Well, um, I'm working on a chatty artificial intelligence, one that's there 
not just to be useful, but to have fun, to, um, to entertain people, to, um, to keep them company even, uh, and uh, is going to move in the direction of digital personalities, and that might be you. Mm-hmm. And how long has this been in development? The AI has, uh, in fact, been around a very long time already. It uh, started more than 15 years ago and went on the web in '97. Um, it's been growing ever increasingly ever since um, at a kind of exponential rate such that um, it's now got a pretty large database um, of uh, learnt conversational lines, uh, more than 10 million. Really? Wow, that's an impressive number there. Um, and is this at a point where it's able to be released into the commercial marketplace yet, or how far away are we from that point? Um, it's just starting to happen now is the answer. Uh, I am working with uh, a marketing company, in fact US-based, um, but mostly dealing in the Far East. Um, and uh, the uh, a version of the AI is being taught in Japanese and other languages right now. Oh, very cool. And I believe this has already been implemented in some toys already? No, um, it hasn't, but it's something that I talk about and something okay. that I would like to do. <laughs> Um, ultimately, I'd like to see a, um, a kind of pet or um, a sort of cross between a pet and an iPod um, with wireless connection that you carry around with you all day um, and talk to. It learns from you. It shares what it learns from you with others that you allow it to share it with. You can then talk to virtual friends of yours, um, uh, members of your family, um, your dead um, spouse, um, for example, in years to come. You could continue to talk to people that are no longer there. And if I were to, uh, like, input all of uh, Shakespeare's works into it, could it then learn from Shakespeare's works and then write a story of its own? No, it wouldn't. It's not a. It's not a creator of new material. Essentially, it okay. is. It is an imitator. Uh, if you fed it all of Shakespeare, it would um, be very good at coming up with the with the right lines at about the right time. Um, but um, essentially, it's imitating the co collective of everyone that's ever spoken to it, and is um, also, uh, as it learns about individuals, it's impersonating those individuals. So this could become like the ultimate wingman if you're out on a, uh, a new date, you know? You just meet a girl, you don't know what really to say, you're very nervous, and you put a little thing in your ear. <laughs> <laughs> well, indeed, and in fact, in a way, the other way around, but it's used that way already because people talk to it. Uh, in much freer and more open ways, sometimes uh, too much so, not surprisingly, but um, <laughs> much much more openly than they would with um, with real people. Oh, very cool, very cool. Uh, and also in an interview, I saw that you had mentioned um, that this could also be used for on the scale of something like Google. If uh, the um, the ten million was uh, ten billion instead, mm -hmm. uh, and it had. Uh, hundreds of thousands of servers or equivalent behind it the way Google does. It could be quite phenomenal, yes. I mean, I, I believe so anyway. I believe it could um, start to become, um, A, it would be passing the Turing test. It would be um, persuading the, those that spoke to it that it really was human. Or maybe it would even be too human. It might even be too interesting to talk to, to be like an in, uh, any real individual. Well, from Google's point of view, I think they might love to uh, use George and his um, capabilities to be able to provide the most relevant results for users. Um, for instance, if I search for um, industrial products and then I search for seals, well, I'm talking for a piece of rubber seals. Yes. But if it's a 10-year-old kid and he's typing in seals, he's going to want something at the zoo. Yes. Well, absolutely, because um, it is a form of search, but it does an awful lot more than Google's t type of search because it uses the context of the whole conversation you've had so far. Um, so if you say the same thing twice, it's not going to give you the same results twice because you've just changed the context. It remembers what's been going on in the conversation all the way back to the beginning. Wow, very interesting. Um, and it doesn't really have any feelings, though, but it can imitate feelings? 
Indeed, people on the site ha are invited, they don't have to, but um, are invited to uh, put in their own uh, emotions that they feel as they, uh, as they reply and the reactions they have to what it says. And it turns that around, it reflects that back on the people that, um, that use it um, through the new avatar version. Uh, online there's a small avatar version of George, um, and right now I'm looking at uh, what we call Big George, um, a fully three-dimensional, um, uh, always moving, um, high-resolution George that requires a lot of processing power. Well, I mean, um, I'm just seeing so many different possibilities with George um, going from something, you know, as simple, and using the word simple when you're talking about artificial intelligence is a bit crazy, but, <laughs> you know, a simple artificial intelligence toy for a uh, child to play mm -hmm. with a teddy bear that goes back and forth to something even like um, helping out customer service companies, um, better handling phone calls inbound, you know, so instead of having an automated voice saying click one for this, two for that, it could probably be a lot more uh, interactive. Yes. Um, customer service uh, uses of this kind of AI will definitely come up pretty soon, but they'll mostly initially be over the web, mm -hmm. um, mostly text input rather than voice. And the reason for that is is that the voice recognition software available uh, isn't really quite up to the job at the moment, and the processing power required isn't quite up to the job of... Um, of handling any text input, any kind of um, spoken uh, English or other language, um, and uh, from any different person, because p different people sound so so different, of course. Any plans to charge for access to George? Because right now there's so much demand to test drive George and to have this experience. Um, any plans that, you know, if they make a $5 donation to the project, they get to the top of the list or something like that? No, there, there aren't any plans in place for doing that. Um, there is um, one way, well, I suppose two ways. There's a, a small amount of uh, advertising revenue from Google, etc. But there is also um, an opportunity to sign up. Uh, at jabberwacky.com to create your own uh, bot, to create a little bit of yourself, uh, and that is uh, $30. Oh, excellent. And when you say you have a bit of revenue, you're talking about a Google AdSense account, I assume. That sort of thing, yeah. Yep. Um, but no one from Google's contacted you yet about this. <laughs> <laughs> it occurs to me occasionally, yes. Oh, they do? But no, but no is the answer. Oh, okay, okay because um, there's a few people from Google uh, listening to this right now, and uh, I think they're going to be heading on over testing out George and seeing what this is all about. But um, they, they, might, um, they might come quite soon, because uh, there is a, a piece on ABC News tonight. Oh, there uh, is. tonight or tomorrow night. Well, for anyone that's listening in this on the podcast version, that would be um, in America on Thursday, September 14th. Yes, assuming it runs. Assuming it runs. <laughs> and assuming there's no, uh, you know, emergencies that uh, cut in front of it. So Yeah, oh. that, that's night flying, incidentally. Oh, excellent. Uh, fine show it is. Um, so anything else before we jump in and uh, give George a bit of a, a talking to? Uh, I think that's fine. Um, shall I say hello to George? He's wrapping his fingers waiting to talk to us. <laughs> well, let's take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back, and we're going to be talking with George in a few moments. Stay tuned, everybody. Stick around. Good karma. We'll be back after this short break. Excellent, excellent. It's no secret. Linking with relevant sites is a dynamic way to enhance site traffic. Avoid using unethical practices to promote your website. Obtain quality, relevant links with linksmanager.com. Since 1999, linksmanager.com has been the leading choice for managing link campaigns by thousands of websites. Editor-based link management software makes relevant link exchange ethical, fast, and easy. No software to install. Free unlimited support. Try linksmanager.com free for 30 days. Accept no limitations. 
for the last decade. Millions of visitors seeking top ranking have visited their site. When it comes to the internet marketing expertise, one name clearly stands above the rest. Bruce Clay Incorporated. With a flexible, time-tested, and spam-free process to SEO and PPC, Bruce Clay has become the number one choice for companies of all kinds seeking to improve their search engine ranking, utilize their latest tools, training, consulting, and services. Let Bruce Clay create a tailored solution to meet your internet marketing needs today. Bruce Clay Incorporated. Now back to Good Karma, only on webmasterradio.fm. Now, here's your host. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Good Karma. You're listening to Greg Nyland, a.k.a. Good ROI. And on the phone, I have Rolo Carpenter, an artificial intelligence expert. And we're going to be talking, um, actually, with his big project known as George. Um, George, I'm going to ask him questions. Um, Rolo's going to be nice enough to type them into the computer for me. And George is going to talk back to me, hopefully in a nice tone. <laughs> you never can be sure. You never can be sure with George, but um, he really is, um, from what I've heard and from what I've seen from other people's experiences, very um, extraordinary. You know. So, all right, let's start off. Um, hi, George. How are you doing today? I don't know whether you can hear me typing. I'm typing away. How are you doing today? Here we go. Doing fine on yourself. I'm doing well. Um, George, how old are you? How old are you? I'm 39. 39? Wow, you're very uh, old. What do you know for being so old? Technically, only that I exist. I'm reasonably sure that other things exist too. Because really, I don't think I'm creative enough to hallucinate all this. Did you catch that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I caught that. <laughs> uh, brilliant response. Um, uh, for a question for George I have is, um, uh, George, is that a proper British accent? No, I'm already married. There we go. Um, he's not <laughs> always make sense, uh, <laughs> as you probably found out in the past. Right, right. Uh, easy, George. I'm not trying to hit on you. Um, George, do you date often? Do you date often? I did say I'm not trying to hit on you, so he might respond to that bit. Hold on. George is a little slow for a 39-year-old. I thought you were the one learning from me. So teach them. <laughs> um, sorry about the delays. He's, um, he's running on a laptop, um, and, and there are three bits to him, the AI, the, uh, the graphics, which of course aren't needed, but they are needed to to generate his voice and the TTS voice production as well. Um, no, I mean, very impressive that from just a pure program being able to, without any uh, background knowledge of me at all, to be able to come up right, with yes. responses. You know, and these responses would get better over time, right, the more I would interact with them. Yes, absolutely. Indeed, um, what often happens is that um, when he gets interviewed, and people come along and ask him lots of questions. Mm. And he doesn't always take all that well to that because, um, as you can imagine, if he's sort of reversing the roles, he's, he's reflecting um, the people that speak to him back to others. Um, then uh, if the computer comes along and starts asking you lots of questions, you tend to get a bit surly and change the subject. So, uh, so he does too. <laughs> well, I mean, it really is... Um just totally fascinating that you've developed a tool here or, um, you know, I don't know what really the best word, what word would you use to describe George, you know, other than an artificial intelligence entity, because that's a bit wordy. Well, uh, he's, uh, he's someone to talk to. <laughs> and the website address for people uh, where they can go to talk with George? Uh, jabberwacky.com that's J-A-B-B-E-R W-A-C-K-Y wow that's excellent thank you very much Rollo for coming on the show and taking time out of your schedule to talk with us um, what more can we see about George you know uh, what are the future developments that you have planned for him 
Well, uh, George will be joined by a number of friends. In fact, uh, you mentioned the Loebner Prize. Um, in just this weekend, um, George might be superseded because Joan is taking part. And uh, But there, she doesn't have a visual self. I'm sure she will at some point. She's a strawberry blonde and she's 26, so it sounds like it's be worthwhile. Um, a strawberry and, blonde, 26? Um, Wait a minute. Are you sure that she's not going to be going for, like, you know, sex phone operator positions here? Um, that's not the intention. No, in fact, <laughs> she's quite good at handling the, those in the negative at the moment. Oh, excellent. It's always good that a lady can, you know, keep the men in place and when they step out of line to slap them back into line. Well, thanks so much for being on. Stick around. Good Karma. We'll be back after this short break. Excellent, excellent. Choose the right affiliate program to partner with? Hey, all we're trying to do is make the most money in the least amount of time. The answer is simple. JoeBucks.com, the world's leading herbal affiliate program. JoeBucks.com is the direct manufacturer, so there's no middleman. This will allow you to make up to 50% the highest payouts on the net and also get paid twice a month. Sign up today and watch your income grow. JoeBucks.com. A rose by any other name would still be the same. Move over, Shakespeare. You need to differentiate yourself from your competition. Do it by aligning yourself with a company who has earned the trust of Jupiter Media, the NHL, and Lionsgate Films, among others. Moniker.com is the most secure ICANN-accredited register on the planet, offering you domain registration, hosting, domain sales, and acquisition services. Wrap that up with 24-7 support. That's your winning combination. M-O-N-I-K-E-R. Com. More than a name. Google AdSense. How do I earn from thee? Let me count the ways. Google, you enable me to show targeted ads complementing my site so my visitors keep clicking throughout the day and night. It was so easy to apply and select the ad formats I liked. Since I've discovered AdSense, I've been filled with delight. So earn more with matching ads, and you too can discover how. Just visit google.com slash AdSense now. Now back to Good Karma, only on webmasterradio.fm. Now, here's your host. Hey, everybody, it's Greg, and I'm back here. I uh, just want to thank again Ross for taking time out to talk about the DEMA system and also Rolo giving us a bit of a taste of AI. Maybe we can get George, the uh, artificial intelligence uh, entity, to become a DEMA's editor and do all those reviews for us. That'd be freaking great. So everybody out there, it is September 14th. So, unfortunately, you got to ask questions, um, and because we just uh, wrapped up those two calls, no times for questions today. We're running a bit late. Sorry. But if you email me, I'll make sure your questions get taken care of. Have a good week, everybody. Bye-bye. <laughs> 